0: Let's go to Ukraine now. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau says Canada and its allies are willing to maintain economic sanctions against Russia for years if necessary. Trudeau says the measures are having a massive effect on the Putin regime and the countries imposing them remain united. But how much impact have they really had? And does Ukraine have what it needs to defend itself against another anticipated Russian offensive in the east of the country? Well, my next guest knows Russia and Ukraine very well. He served as economic advisor to both countries in the past. He also maintains contacts inside Russia and with the dissident community around the world. He says, this is not a war about Ukraine, but a true world war, pitting rule of law democracy versus authoritarian authoritarian kleptocracy. It is a battle between dominant political systems in the world, and who wins may well define the century ahead. Joining me now is economist Anders Osland. He's a senior fellow at the Stockholm Free World Forum and an adjunct professor at Georgetown University, author of Russia's Crony Capitalism, The Path from Market Economy to Kleptocracy. Welcome to the show.
1: My pleasure.
0: (laughs) We spoke uh, at the very beginning of this invasion about what sort of sanctions might work against Russia, against Vladimir Putin. Uh, We're more than 45 days in now. How would you rate the effectiveness of what has been done to try to neutralize uh, Russia in this conflict?
1: I think it has been great, but it could be uh, even uh, greater. (laughs) How so? Uh, The financial sanctions have uh, hit the Russian economy hard but they should be more, more com- complete. Um, uh, the big concern now is that Russia has uh, uh, large uh, oil and uh, gas uh, export re- revenues. And the question is how that could uh, be, be stopped or sharply uh, cut down. I think the best option is actually to prohibit um, Russian ship from entering any Western uh, ports. And sanction the big Russian uh, state uh, uh, shipping company Sovcomflot, and also to sanction insurance on all Russian uh, subjects, because uh, then you can't really do very much uh, economically. Uh, what we haven't seen much of as yet is the impact of uh, the very substantial Western. Uh, sanctions uh, and uh, also uh, <coughs> uh, private uh, refusal to deliver uh, import uh, to Russia. And this is particularly important for inputs for all kinds of production in Russia. As it appears, now Russia can't produce uh, tanks or uh, 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 cars because it doesn't have uh, the relevant uh, consumer electronics
0: as you see what we think is going to be a second phase of this invasion, uh, to the east, to the Don in Donbass. And we saw Vladimir Putin yesterday, trying to act as uh, put on a brave face, I would suspect. Um, what more needs to be done then if, if the sanctions are taking time to bite, what more needs to be done then in the short term to ensure that both the second phase is as much of a failure as the first phase.
1: Yeah, this is an important point I'm making. It takes time for the uh, sanctions to hit. Uh, a fair guess is that Russia's GDP will fall by twenty percent uh, this year because of the sanctions, but it will probably most of all because of uh, the. Uh, sanctions on uh, exports of electronics and parts uh, uh, to to Russia. So right now, what uh, Ukraine needs is arms, arms, arms. And uh, it has got a lot of uh, anti-tank weapons, which have worked very well. And the thing is, now it needs uh, heavier weapons. And uh, that is heavy artillery, tanks, airplanes.
0: It needs this now because I, I gather we're shifting to a different kind of war. Uh, what was sort of the, the, the quick move in by Russia to try to take Kyiv quickly failed. And now we're going to see more of what would be a conventional war in the East. Uh, but it feels like, under uh, Aslan, it feels like time is, is, is short here, that, we, that Ukraine needs these weapons soon uh, because Russia, it appears, has a timeline.
1: Yeah, the timeline is quite ridiculous. It's uh, generally perceived that uh, President Putin, who's very focused on uh, various kinds of anniversaries, he wants uh, a victory for May 9th. And uh, he didn't get any victory around Kiev or other parts of Ukraine. So he wants victory in the Donbass, in the eastern part of uh, Ukraine. So this is what it is uh, all about now. And you can say that this uh, war looks as if it's two different battles. The first battle was the Battle of Kiev. Ukraine won it hands down. And the second battle is what we are now gearing up to, uh, the Battle of uh, the Donbass. And I think that uh, Ukraine is likely to uh, win it, but that's not uh, an obvious view of uh, the military experts. They say Russia has much more um, hardware. They have uh, a very strong uh, artillery, and they also dominance uh, in, in the space. I, on the contrary, say that Ukraine has the best uh, soldiers. They are motivated soldiers. Both sides have probably about as many soldiers on this battle front, about 50,000 uh, uh, soldiers on, on each side, and the Russians are attacking. You need to have more troops when you're attacking uh, than the, the defender. The Russians uh, don't. And uh, the Ukrainians knew how to, to wait and shoot uh, when they really knew that they uh, can, can kill. Clearly, the Ukrainians have much better intelligence, uh, much better tactics than uh, the Russians. What is expected is a World War II style um, uh, tank battle as uh, the classical uh, uh, Soviet-German battle of Kursk. I don't think so. Because uh, this is the time when you have uh, mud in the fields. It's true that uh, uh, this area is quite flat and open forest for um, Ukrainian guerrilla soldiers uh, to hide in. But um, the tanks will get stuck in the mud uh, if they go over the open field. So once again, they will have to uh, go on small, uh, narrow roads, and the Ukrainians uh, uh, can, in various places, get close to them and uh, bl- blow up the tanks, as they have done so successfully before.
0: Yeah, I've, I've been to that part of Ukraine. It is not a place you'd want to necessarily fight an open World War II-style fight. It is very open. Uh, and, and certainly, I think the advantage would be with the defender, as you point out, mm-hmm. uh, versus, the, uh, versus the invader. You, you've spent a lot of time studying and understanding Vladimir Putin what's going on in his mind right now after the abject failure of the of the attempt to take kiev
1: I think that the the characterization of Putin as a rat who's pushed into the corner is correct. And uh, the general Russian attitude, in particular Putin's attitude, is escalate, escalate, escalate. So Putin is not giving up. He is uh, trying to throw everything he can uh, into the battle. But fortunately, few uh, Russians are ready uh, to be put into the, the Ukrainian meat grinder. So he doesn't seem to be able to find... Very many troops. And the Ukrainians have taken out about one third of uh, uh, the military, both hardware and uh, uh, soldiers that were sent into Ukraine.
0: One would think, though, that admitting defeat to Ukraine would be unimaginable for Vladimir Putin.
1: I think you're perfectly right. So, therefore, I think that this will be uh, Vladimir Putin's uh, last battle. And the question is if he will be thrown out because uh, he fails the war. The parallel here historically would be the Russia-Japanese war of 1904-1905, which was as big as uh, Putin's war on Ukraine seems to uh, become. And the other element is uh, that the Russian is collapsing behind him uh, because of his uh, uh, bizarre policies.
0: (laughs) I'm speaking with Anders Oslin, the senior fellow at the Stockholm Free World Forum an adjunct professor at Georgetown University and author of Russia's Crony Capitalism, The Path from Market Economy to Kleptocracy. We're talking about uh, the invasion of Ukraine by Russia more than 45 days in now. What's happened? What lies ahead? And certainly what's going through Vladimir Putin's mind now that what we believe to have been his plans have been scuttled at the beginning and there seems to be a second phase of this invasion about to take place. When we come back, we'll talk a bit more about what could happen to Vladimir Putin. Is there anyone around him, uh, these sanctions obviously targeting oligarchs. We've seen some action today in Jersey against Roman Abramovich. Um, is anything collapsing in on Vladimir Putin's inner circle? That's next. I'm speaking with economist Anders Osland, a senior fellow at the Stockholm Free World Forum, author of Russia's Crony Capitalism: The Path from Market Economy to kleptocracy. Uh, last we spoke, we talked a lot about what kind of pressure could be put on Vladimir Putin's inner circle, whether it be, uh, you know, the military or, 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 or intelligence side of it, or the oligarchs around him. How much pressure is being put on them? And has it had any effect at all, do you think, on Vladimir Putin's inner circle, or his calculations?
1: Uh, both the Russians who have some insight say is that what's important is to hit Putin's uh, uh, private circle, uh, and hit it as, as high a level as possible. I think it was very important that uh, Putin's uh, two grown-up uh, daughters uh, were uh, sanctioned uh, recently. I think it's important that all of the, the oligarchs that really work closely with uh, Putin have uh, now been sanctioned. I don't think it's important that uh, a lot of state officials and uh, oligarchs uh, are being sanctioned. These state officials are not uh, traveling abroad in in any case, uh, while um, the oligarchs uh, uh, that are outside the Putin circle, uh, they are not of uh, much uh, impact on Putin in any case.
0: When you look at the implications of this war, and I know that you were quoted uh, recently as talking about this being sort of a third world war in the sense that it is, the liberal democratic order versus the autocratic order. Uh, how important is it then, in that case, that Russia lose this second phase of this battle in the East uh, and that it be sent a final message that, that we will, the, you know, the, the opponents will continue to fight back as long as it threatens Ukraine?
1: It's enormously important. So if Russia, contrary to my expectation, would win this uh, battle of the Donbass, what would Putin do then? He would proceed. He would try to uh, take uh, Kiev again, uh, and uh, that would uh, be a disaster. If he succeeds in doing that, what would he do next? Well, Georgia and Moldova are the obvious next uh, targets, and after that, uh, the Baltic states uh, are in danger. So Putin is not going to be stopped. We should look uh, upon him as we looked upon, or our ancestors uh, looked upon Adolf Hitler during World War II. And after June 1941, Winston Churchill was absolutely clear, uh, uh, Hitler must uh, be taken out. And that should be the the current view. The world is not safe as long as uh, uh, Putin sits uh, in the Kremlin. It's hardly our task to, to take him out, but it's our task uh, to uh, cause uh, such preconditions so that uh, the relevant Russians can take him out.
0: I think back at the time you said the only way that, to take him out would potentially be a bullet. Uh, is that still your estimation? Is there any sense now that that the system will collapse in on him and remove him in time uh, to prevent further escalation in this, in this invasion?
1: What I hear from my uh, friends in in Moscow is that uh, the establishment is dead frightened of Putin. There is a sense that this man can do anything to anybody uh, right uh, now. So uh, their view is that the establishment is not going to do something. Talking to leading Russian opposition figures who are abroad, they think that uh, it's more... Uh, likely that the system collapses and that we will see some kind of uh, social uh, uprising, uh, as we have seen uh, several times before when uh, the the Russian uh, uh, system has uh, uh, collapsed. We should expect a a systemic collapse in Russia, and how that would look is not uh, easy
0: uh, to predict, We've seen it in the past. I know you've seen it in the past. It is the idea of a destabilized Russia is also not particularly attractive.
1: Well, I think it is. If you have a truly awful uh, person like Adolf Hitler uh, or Vladimir Putin, when you want the system uh, uh, to collapse, uh, it's not pretty afterwards. But it's worse uh, if uh, such a person would win
0: I want to ask you, because you, you are close to this as well, just the expansion of NATO. Uh, we see the Finns now talking about it. We see the Swedes talking about it. Uh, what sort of message does that send Vladimir Putin? And, and, and what kind of impact will that have on, on regional security now that the, this move looks like it will be made?
1: Uh, Being a Swede, I think that this would be very good for regional security. We are now seeing both in Finland and Sweden big majorities for uh, NATO. In Sweden, it has been 50-50 before. In Finland, it was only about 20% who uh, favoured NATO accession before uh, the the Russian uh, war on Ukraine. But uh, now it's over 60% in, in uh, both countries. The Finnish government is uh, c- uh, clearly in favor of joining NATO. In Sweden, the four non-socialist um, opposition parties are strongly in favor of joining NATO since 2014. Now the Social Democratic Party that is uh, pivotal is finding uh, a majority among the voters wanting to join NATO. So I bet that they will quickly rethink, but they have not quite done. So uh, the Swedish Prime Minister Magdalena Andersson today in the press conference said that we are going to rethink, but we have not quite done so as yet.
0: If we look now then at at the 45 days or more now since the initial invasion and when we last spoke, uh, in summation, how would you assess what you've seen unfold in the last 45 days since Vladimir Putin made the decision to launch his so-called special military operation?
1: Yeah, I mean, the s- summary is that this has been a devastating uh, uh, failure of Putin. Everything has uh, has uh, go- gone wrong, and I think that uh, everything will continue to go wrong. Having said that, there is a contrary expectation. For example, from the Finnish Winter War, when Stalin started off as uh, badly as Putin, that is in 1939, and then he came back and uh, and made uh, some sense. And therefore, a lot of military specialists think that Putin will uh, rethink. Uh, I don't quite think so. I think that Putin tries to run this war himself. What he told us yesterday was essentially that he had planned this together with the general staff. He took the responsibility of us on himself, and he said that everything is going to according to plan, which everybody who has some information can see that that, that is not true. But this is typical Putin digging in. It was also notable that in his defense of uh, uh, his war, Putin said that he had to defend Russia against attack from Ukraine, well, uh, which is completely wrong. And he had completely forgotten about NATO or that there would be NATO bases in, in uh, Ukraine. So he has changed um, his idea why he's pursuing this war. He he lies so much that he can't even put his own lies together or try to make them consistent.
0: Anders Osland, it is certainly interesting times. Thank you so much for your insight. Fascinating as always. I appreciate it.
1: My pleasure as always.